and welcome to the Crate and Crowbar. I didn't learn which number it was. I'm not sure of the date. It's Philippa. War. (laughs) 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 Do you want to do a proper intro, Chris? No, this is going swimmingly. I mimed what the episode number was, but... Oh, oh. There was a there were hand signals there was a like, zero. like 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 no, men. But I thought he meant I was doing well. It was like a, <laughs> no, it looked like an okay. No, that was a cry for help. Oh, it, was a <laughs> it zero. wasn't a cry of encouragement. <laughs> it's the thirty first of May. Perhaps. It is. Yes, it is, and this is episode three hundred and forty. Fabulous. Forty. Incredible. Three hundred and forty. That's over a year of podcasts. No, no, it's, no, it's not. not. <laughs> Oh, it's not 335 days in a year, is it? It's the three- days in a year. Where did you get 335 days in a year? And also, know. have you been missing about 21 days from every year you've ever lived? Which Does that mean I'm older or younger than I, look, than I thought? <laughs> You'd be older. I mean, I'm older than I, yeah. 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 Which hey, ones, I've just claimed back some did life. you miss out? Most of the days. <laughs> You're missing three weeks of the year, pretty much. Oh. Mm. Every year. That's like holiday. That's almost a whole year. That's also not how that works. Because 30 days is four weeks and then a bit. So let's not. He's missing 21 days. No, he's not. 335, 365. 30 days. There's not 356 days in a year. I'm missing a week. Welcome to the Crate and Crowbar. <laughs> what do, is time? I do feel like we have maybe taught you both something quite valuable by accident early on and uncovered a real failing in the school system <laughs> this is, that has been happening for a good while. <laughs> this is why you should always do the intros, Pip, because every time I learn something about what time it is. <laughs> and today I've learned that it's not actually 1986, which is what it was, mm. what it was last time, mm. Mm. but it is in fact... Uh, 30 weeks further in the future than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, which makes it about Christmas? Mm. Just well, about. I'm, Happy Christmas, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and what better way to celebrate Christmas than by than introducing ourselves. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm. yeah. what, what, what are these black ones? Um, Schwartz and what? I believe it was, and I have no idea about my accent, but Schwartz and Johannes beer. They're really very nice. They're but I can't stop myself. I believe. Excellent. The yellow one is lemon. Mm. The yellow one is lemon. Yeah. So it's um, it's E3 week next week. Wait, you're Chris Thurston. Am I? I haven't even, oh, yeah. Yeah. I am. So yeah, did we not get to that? No. no. Okay. <laughs> I announced myself really, really early. Mm. <laughs> And then we, we gave us no fix. opportunity. We introduced a black currant skittle before we introduced <laughs> valued contributor Alex Wiltshire. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say the priority order is <laughs> holds. Two, two, everyone. <laughs> it's candied fruit. Um, I am also here. It's me, Chris. Fabulous E three. E three. Then it was a segue of some kind. Um, okay, it's E three next week. I think is it. Yeah. Have we been shown all the games that were going to be shown at the E3 yet? Probably not. Yeah, there's some left, <laughs> probably. So since since the last time, because we're in the uh, the sort dead of zone. the strange. Well, you, you call it a dead zone, but stuff keeps getting announced because nobody wants to. No one wants to actually announce their game during the extremely alive zone, which is next week when everything's happening at once. Everyone wants to basically have slipped out early, but not in a way that means they don't get 
The big hullabaloo. So they're slipping themselves out early without embarrassing themselves too much. Yes, it's like being at a house party if you're me. And, um, <laughs> and, and yes, and since we last, last week, what are you doing? I was chewing away from the microphone. I don't think they can hear you eat a skittle. I think they could hear me eating the skittle. Yeah. Apologies if you could hear the eating of skittles during. <laughs> Audacity has a filter for that, I think. Huh? Um, skittle, like, the anti skittle. Maybe instead of like recording, so behind the curtain, listeners, we have, we record silence at the beginning of the podcast. We try. So we, we try. Do, we really try. I don't know. Some silent things. Noise cancellation. Fine. Great. Maybe I should have been chewing my Skittles yeah. at the time. You should have been. We should do that now. Yeah. Hang on. Hang okay. on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh should I, any should I excuse. <laughs> should I have one of these orange ones? <laughs> okay. Mrs. Gold. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, hopefully that will have worked and you will have heard nothing. <laughs> I shouldn't have sat you both on the same side of the table. No, certainly not with sugar. (laughs) I'm feeling very enlivened now. Mm. You've had a cup of tea and a skittle. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to kick off. He's had two skittles. He's off his nut. This is the third one. Good Mm. God. So Fallout came out today. Yesterday. Was it yesterday? It, it was announced. How many numbers? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so there are two, there are two video games that have been emerged into the, the, the light of day. Hmm. Uh, one is Fallout 76. Which, which commentators are saying, don't get your hopes up about. <laughs> it's not the Fallout you think you might be. So your hype train for. really needs some work. So yeah. All the- <laughs> <laughs> What Bethesda did is they, they put up a live stream that didn't happen for a very long time, if I'm following this correctly, then crashed, then went back up again, and then <laughs> played a trailer, which is very similar to like every other Fallout trailer ever. It's a slow, a slow zoom out from a with radio music. with, uh, um, I think it's Country Roads is the song in this one. Um, and, I like that one. Yeah. And then it pans out and then they're in a vault, obviously, and there's people saying, you know, when you leave the vault, you must rebuild. Um, in a, but in a you 50s-ish way, it. rebuild. Oh. Uh, and then it's Fallout 76. And then every single person you know on Twitter makes the joke, will I be able to follow it if I didn't play Fallouts 5 to 75? Oh, that's good. It is good. Yeah. It is good. Congratulations. <laughs> All 400 people I follow. And then there were the same jokes about the Battlefield series. There was. And the same jokes about, oh, I don't know, Cod as well, probably. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Oh, we'll get to Battlefield, actually, because that was one of the other games that was, mm. that was announced while we were recording the last episode of the it podcast. Was, yeah. So it feels like old news to us, but it's yeah. in fact news, news technically. News to least... the crowbar. Yeah. So Fallout 76 is a Fallout game, but all of the rumours, and they're probably quite well substantiated rumours, they, they have the feeling of, of, real uh Truthiness. leaks yeah they have the, the moist feel of a real leak um is that it is a online survival game in the manner of daisy or rust uh alex just did what can only be described as a it's the wrong trousers grommet face <laughs> 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 at the at this news um this is not surprising at all to me yeah, because it's after seemed, the building stuff in... Mm, it seems a little bit soon for a new main series Fallout yeah. game, particularly because they normally alternate with other Bethesda open-world things, right? Yeah. So this soon after 4, maybe an expansion for 4, but not a 
full-on game and the rumor is that 76 was actually originally kind of conceived as a multiplayer mode for fallout 4 um it all sounds very very believable yeah and then it'll focus on base building which is a mechanic in fallout 4 um this all seems very plausible to me and uh it's interesting because obviously we're seeing everybody else they didn't as i expected them to announce a battle royale mode for, for battlefield but obviously everybody's getting on that the post operation flashpoint mod scene bandwagon from some angle or another <laughs> and uh bethesda's uh approach appears to be to go for the sort of daisy uh h1z1 rust thing the setting absolutely supports it it does it, if it not does. what people's hope you know what people want to do in the game yeah yeah it's it, you know and 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 it's, it's interesting like there haven't really been any sort of games like that made with a sort of uh i was going to say a sort of like uh bethesda level of polish by which i mean <laughs> by which you which mean, I mean what <laughs> uh, more polished than an early access survival game <laughs> the bar was discreetly moved while bethesda weren't looking <laughs> Or it wasn't moved and they went, this is a space we can own. <laughs> People's faces sliding off mid-conversation and a man kicking, a, do kicking a wheelbarrow into the sun. <laughs> right there before you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, the, the tone of the people pointing out that it might not be the, the big story fallout sort of game that people might expect, the RPG that people expect is, all about the i think it, most people go to fallout expecting stories written stories mm. a lot of environmental storytelling things written in blood skeletons with hats on sitting on toilets <laughs> emails emails on still operable computers yeah. in nuked buildings <laughs> and bath yeah bathtubs mm. with yeah. things in the bathtubs so, like you know rad scorpions so I think like really be- rad scorpions <laughs> yeah, lame scorpions crucial and rad scorpions <laughs> Scorticans. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope I did. I wish I did. <laughs> Maybe I did. But yeah, I um, I think I think that Bethesda's going to have a, a bit of uphill struggle communicating it if if what the, the rumors are true, because yes. I think people, you know, and they're going to know that. But the, but that that um, reveal was so utterly similar to Fallout Three, Fallout Four's kind of you know yeah early trailers that it's it was only going to evoke what people want from the series so there's there's a rumor that they're going to finally reveal starfield at e3 i What's think it's starfield? called starfield it's the space open world rpg that bethesda have been almost certainly making for a couple of years now right um and there's a Sorry, Pip, you're, you're, I'm trying to eat this skittle quietly, jaunty lean that makes you look like that man from a beer advert who doesn't always eat skittles, but when he does, he eats them over here. It's the most distracting thing. I was just trying to be subtle and quiet. Um, So yeah, so there's a rumor that they're making a space game, basically, and and I wonder if, and it showed up in some of the kind of retailer leak listings for later part of this year that also featured things like Rage 2. Uh, for example, so they were correct on, on that front. And it's been rumored for quite a long time. So I wonder if this is a little bit of a, um, here's my kind of like, don't worry, you might get an actual 
Bethesda RPG sort of spin on this. If you were going to announce a big game like that or an Elder Scrolls or something like that, and you also had this sort of multiplayer thing on the go, that multiplayer thing is going to get completely lost at E3. Mm. And it's going to get completely lost at the Bethesda conference because of the way people's attention will never to be drawn. So probably the smart thing to do is to reveal it ahead of time, get the press cycle for good or for ill, and then follow up at E3 with whatever it is you're going to announce. Like if this, if Fallout 76 is a, if the rumors are true and it is, uh, like a kind of a, a rust or a daisy or something. And it is the, uh, the big arrow in Bethesda's E3 quiver. Like that's how, our, that's how archery works. You have arrows of different sizes. Yeah, if because the big arrows are better than all the It is, ones. yeah, it's a real big one. If it's the big f- fucking log sized arrow in there, javelin. <laughs> yeah. Then that might be a bit lukewarm for them necessarily so i'd expect to see something else or something more or for these rumors to be wrong oh but it's quite a big slate to be talking about three big completely new games is it it wouldn't be three completely new games would it would be rage Rage. two yeah but things have been so quiet like you know prior to this point last year we knew that or the year before what is time they have but this is what i mean like yeah, like either this is their lot for E3 and they've, they've, they've shown it all beforehand, which Bethesda have done before. I've literally been to Bethesda events where mm. that's what they do. Um, or, or they have something else to, to put out there. We'll see, mm. I suppose, won't we? I suppose so. At yeah. E3, maybe. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the week before E3. They also, uh, that EA done reveal Battlefield 5. Yes. V. Battlefield V. It's a lot of, it's a lot of bombast. It is. It's got a very different palette. That yeah. was the only main thing that really struck out to me. I, the first thing I thought, so the, 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 the kind of like the, the dramatized trailery thing. I, I don't know how much I didn't really see that much of it. I'm afraid. Um, but I did see the, the very kinetic trailer yeah. with the characters jumping about and it is very, <laughs> very multiplayer y, very kind of, um, very dramatic mm. and, it felt to me like it was trying to say, hey, sorry we went a bit too kind of close to reality and yet played a bit fast and loose with the old First World War thing. We're going fun for Second World War. Yeah, no, we're going for this fun war. Yeah, like maybe Model 1 was a bit grim. A bit grim. Yeah, it's it's got this sort of um, a sort of cartoonishly heightened sort of, I was going to say like a sort of Inglorious Bastards kind of, vibe but mm. in a kind of neon like borderline well i was going to say like almost borderline uh blizzard palette <laughs> you know i kind of mean that seriously like there's a sort of bright blue skies bright green grass yeah. you know a big orange <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> do you need a <laughs> I was going to say Big Orange Sherman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a big Johannes Berry. Um, sort of thing. For me, it looked like the first real attempt to merge the art style of the bright, cartoony, colourful shooters. Battlefield Heroes. Battlefield Hero. Yes, actually, no. You, well, that was cartoony is what I mean. Yeah. Like, to merge that sort of thing, the Overwatch thing, the, the uh, Fortnite thing with the you know actual dirty sort I think of the characters look like they'd sort of done the kind of like oh in team fortress 2 each of the characters was designed with a very recognizable silhouette we'll mm. do that 
Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, although they sort of started doing that with, um, well, they've always had like the front cover of a Battlefield game has always been, and I know this has been a subject of, of uh, stupid contention this week, but, um, you know, the, the front cover of a Battlefield game has always been like a very serious soldier who's half on fire. And they've gotten, uh, they got with Battlefield 1, I think they got a lot more adventurous yeah. with what, with uh, who who that was basically like yeah. they they you know maybe ending with battlefield four it was basically an unbroken run of the same man but, yeah like in different white khaki. white war man yeah, yeah exactly whereas where they've got more experimental with it now that well not more expensive just more diverse and more interesting with it and then now with with this they've they've actually it feels like they have uh brandable iconic little tm superscript characters um in terms of what it, like, they, they sort of promised quite big changes to the sort of Battlefield formula, including being able to lie on your back and shoot a machine gun was the main one I saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Or shoot it up. No, I mean, like, if it's like you're lying on your back, like, imagine, you know, when you're lying they, on they the sofa and you want to change the channel, but you're also lying like almost horizontal. Right. And so you like position the remote on your belly and sort of fire it between your legs at the television. No. Like that, but with <laughs> a stem gun. Talk- what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it put me in mind of 80s kind of action film moves. Mm. Yeah, a lot of sliding. A lot of sliding. Lots of- yeah. Mm. Um, like yeah. Kit Harrington in the Pompeii thing. That we watched last night. Yeah, he does a lot of sliding around, doesn't he? Love Slippery old girls. Kit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's not a good film. It's not a good film. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. the Netflix description is almost entirely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got to get away f- from from that volcano. Did he say about that? From? I don't know. <laughs> Why I? <laughs> Watch out for that falling rocks from the volcano. <laughs> that is the best Jon Snow impression. Which is assume what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah. Join us. And so what you're actually getting, so we're going to cut now away from the traditional programming of the Crate and Crowbar to bring you Alex's one man play. <laughs> Volcanic death comes to Emmerdale. <laughs> I thought it was Geordie Shaw. <laughs> anyway. That's probably the sign that we've got nothing left to say about Battlefield. I mean, yeah, like it's it's all otherwise distressingly kind of yeah. Yeah, I think maybe we've we've stretched out this new segment even uh, like exactly twenty minutes longer than it needed to be. Um, <laughs> there, because, there are some new games because, coming, yeah, and you'll know, we'll all know about more about them next, next week. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet to be grabbed by any of these reveals. Although actually, um, I did quite like. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> we're really near the path yeah there's a little path that runs past the house we changed where we record the podcast downstairs and that's just children being creepy outside it's a performance yeah. oh, I've made it I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're wandering into the distance but if we now. can hear them that clearly they can hear you saying that that clearly <laughs> no because the because of sound is different inside than out probably I'm trying to freak Chris out <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make him mend his ways <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? You were mean. I was mean. I, I apologize. Sorry. What if those children listen to this podcast? They'll think we were famous. Oh no. 
Oh, no, I feel awful. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, we'll never find out next week, won't we? Good. Well, Will we, we? Yes. Not oh, whether, not whether I was mean or whether the children listen to the yeah. podcast. Well, we will find out if those children listen to the podcast. Don't at me, children. Um, because <laughs> you won't read them. Indeed, no. <laughs> uh, he can't. He doesn't yeah. understand it, the form. <laughs> we should talk about some computer games. I'm not sure the news ones we talked about count because they're just right. names, aren't they? There's names and trailers and bright lights and just fashion colors and promises. They're and dreams. dreams. They're contents. Yeah, the dreams all of content. Yeah, no, they one's, are. no one's confident enough to leak a non franchise game. That's true. That's why all of the big... Nothing can stand alone or something. No, that's true. I was going to say, well, they did announce a new kind of Pokemon game, but that, that doesn't did count. Did they? Yeah. Like what? Let's go Pikachu. What does... And let's go what? Eevee. You need to... What you need to watch. Mean? It's the game where you got a little... Po- it's for the Switch. We're not allowed to talk about it on the podcast or Catch Fire. But it's the one where you... It's like Pokemon Go also a regular Pokemon, but it's for the Switch and you get a little Pokeball and it lives in your pocket and you, when you go on a, a lunch date with your friends, your professional work friends in <laughs> in the lifestyle world you live in, you get out your little Pokeball and you shake it and it goes, Pika! And then your friends go, oh wow, great, you're 40. Do you think that everyone in business class is doing this on flights? Yeah. yeah. It's this causing is, a right This is fuffle. like a business decision that they make. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically a new Pokemon Yellow. That's what does exciting. that mean? It's the one they made after Red and Blue. It's like a spin-off where you have Pikachu from the beginning. It, because he's yellow? Or because they yeah. need yeah. the primary yeah. colours? No, Literally that's... because he's yellow. Oh, fine. Have they run out of colours? No. Uh, no, they, they, well, they're, they're, doing, they're doing shapes. Or celestial, celestial, celestial bodies. bodies yeah. Have we had Pokemon Green? Yes. Pokemon Purple? No. Pokemon Taupe? <laughs> Sapphire? Burnt yeah. Sienna? Yeah, Burnt <laughs> Sienna. Okay. <laughs> Crimson. They moved on to like, yeah, gemstones, then celestial bodies. Uh, then... Maybe they could move on to quarks. That'd be good. Well, Pokemon up and down. Why not? Why yeah. not? Mm. It could be, yeah, subatomic panic- particles. Panicles. <laughs> panicles. <laughs> it's those subatomic panicles that made yeah. the, it's like quantum. the rad scripting or whatever or not? No one knows. Don't measure it. Otherwise, yeah. it'll definitely get away. You'll never know what stats something. it will have if you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we fully understand this. I, I Do you know, though? Because that might actually, my, my very minor knowledge of um, Pokemon is that there, each Pokemon does have a secret stat. Which only does it? The most uh, experienced uh, trainers. There's a lot of like, no. what, like yeah, hidden sort of like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a cookery! Yeah. It's bloodlust. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> Fashion. <laughs> yeah, then. But if you know that figure, then it loses it. Probably. I made up the last bit. That was lies. That was lies. <laughs> So that's all for this week's Pokemon news. <laughs> Indeed. Um, if you'd like to send us some Pokemon news. No. Um, Alex, yeah. do you want to tell us about a game that you've been playing this yeah, week? Sure. Yeah, okay. Have we talked about City of Brass before, Christopher? Uh, yes. yes, I have. Oh, you played it? Yeah, I have. But let's you, talk about it because I haven't returned. Did, I have been playing you, it consistently and I haven't returned to the subject on the podcast. So. Have you played it uh, since the, the 1.0 release? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've been playing a bit of that. It's good, isn't it? It is good. It is good. I didn't like it very much to start with. I felt it, it, the, the movement and the, 
combat and the kind of the fear of the weapons felt very uh, staccato or kind of non. It doesn't flow straight away. Yeah. yeah, but then then it did start to flow, mm. and um, I'm enjoying it a lot now. So, so for people who weren't listening when we last discussed it, this is the first person. Uh, I'm going to call it a roguelike. Yeah. And don't at me, children. Well, um, I think it's, I think it's a pure roguelike, really. Well. First person style. It's, uh, yeah, I think there are people who would describe it as, it's a bit like Spelunky, right? It's like Spelunky and I first don't know person. what is it, like, this whole roguelike thing, I don't know what to say, because one, one time I wrote something that, like, slightly pussyfooted around, like, it, something being a roguelike. I think I called something a roguelike-like. You know, and then first comment was, look, we all just know what you mean by roguelike. So just use roguelike, okay? Like that. Like, okay, but, but, but just, oh God, yeah, I'd like to do that. But there's the opposite man who comes when you do the other thing. Never they shall meet. Yeah. <laughs> Toying with me. You Toying should with mess with us. them. You should be like, it's an MMO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a survival game. Yeah. Or go to a painful extent to explain all of its features without actually using the word rogue. So that it, sounds like something Alice O'Connor would do. It does, yeah. So it is a it is a so get this right. So it's a it's a first person action adventure game where you got to get to this uh, the other end of this uh arabian nights inspired kind of clockwork city um it's 14 levels yeah, yeah. but every time you die you have to start again it's do you great. have any of your stuff uh, you can you can buy insurance which keeps one of the skills yeah you can also bank an item that's right and bank items um and then that's, i think that's what i'm thinking of yeah um yes so yeah i thought i'd only played an hour of it when uh when we last talked about it and i've been basically just doing the daily challenge every day Oh, you time. have. I haven't actually delved into It's just that. a regular way of playing it. It's yeah. just a particular seed that everybody does, and it feels like a nicely structured way of encountering it. It does. Day. I mean, I wouldn't say that the levels feel sort of different enough to inspire. You know, like so Spelunky's kind of uh, daily challenge, you know, the way that Spunky levels are designed is that you, know, you can see so much of them, so you're more aware of, like, how they're laid out. And, yeah. And the patterns over which kind of your approach to each run will kind of succeed or fail or be better or worse, you know, getting to the city of gold and things will be affected by the seed quite deeply. And, Hmm. you know, and, you know, those little happenstance things that happen. I don't think you get that kind of richness with city of brass from my experience so far. I don't think so. Although I did start to get to the point where I have opinions about, you know, what upgrades I'm really glad to get mm, early true. and what kind of things change the feel of the game. I think it's inevitably a little subtler because, because it's a first person game. And think, oh, Jesus, that was loud. Sorry, I thought it was going <laughs> to, like a normal beer, but this is, it's more like a tennis ball can. It's got a very you know? big pool yeah. in it. If only it wasn't full of snakes. My God, what, what, what kind hell? of can is that? Come off that oh, can. How I, hmm. We, you were talking about um, how uh, you enjoyed uh, the way the upgrades would be. Yeah, there is up. a meaningful. So, like Splunky, I mean, Splunky benefits a lot from having quite big, obvious changes in both landscape and in in, in upgrades. And, and City of Brass takes a little while to get to that point. But when you get like when you have the the, the extra long whip, yep. for example, um, that's a good example of like quite a subtle thing. But being able to suddenly like get a grappling hook from different angles and things, and sort of, I was going to say wanging yourself around the levels willy nilly. Um, wanging and willy. Yeah, exactly. I said both of those terms just enjoy everyone. Um, do you use the rings a lot? <laughs> I do. Um, I, I think they're a bit of a trap because sometimes you see that ring and you're like, 
I'm going to whip that. You're going to fall right into the hole. And you do, and you you uh, you can uh, do a a one a mid air one eighty. These, to be clear, are hanging sort of hoops that you can grapple to fling yourself into the air using your whip. Using your whip whip grapple and you can do a kind of cool 180 where you spin 180 degrees in midair and kind of go back the other way which means i think i think once you sort of get used to that technique then the danger of a unwise wanging is uh, ameliorated somewhat by the fact that you might fling yourself into the air and go oh shit this one spikes yeah and then immediately fling yourself back in the other direction yeah. but then you might find that your landing is now complicated by a skeleton and that is the magic of city of brass how have you been finding it I've I've been enjoying it a lot. I think that it's um it it's I it's been interesting sort of finding my way through the layers of experience because like, the first of the start I was just continually getting killed by traps. Like mm. there are large so it's very very tile based game. So like if you imagine your first person game and it's made out of quite large blocks which which are basically tiles in which traps are and blocks with you know with 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 kind of walls on them and you know mm. you if it feels very much designed on a grid as much as they've kind of done quite you know good work to make it feel organic but you have these large uh spike areas or um the trapdoor which will fall away or there's kind of um, plants that suddenly grow out of the ground and slow you down mm. lots of things and i spent my first few runs feeling very and irritated by the lack of flowing feel from the controls and continually killing myself in spike traps basically mm. which trigger quite quickly after you move through them if you they walk do, yeah. if you try to walk through them it will trigger before you've crossed it and you'll lose health obviously um but you can trigger them in other ways you can use your um your uh, uh whip to do that which is the one way or you can zip in and back out again and before it kind of goes yeah. up and then wake your way through them as they're retracting you've got a grace period so like learning all that stuff and also learning what to watch out for was the first sort of kind of layer of experience and then and then after that actually then i started to feel kind of the the synergy of the the whip you know to to control enemies and the sword only kind of to not to do lots of flailing at them which i think i did to start with mm. and once those once actually i started handling the weapons better like okay the the whip is for you know, stopping them moving or moving them away from me uh, together and then letting them all sort of crowd towards me with a spike mm. trap, then it started really to sort of work. Yeah. There's also um, something that I think uh, clicked for me. Two things that clicked for me to help it flow a lot. One is the slide jump, mm. which is, does go fast enough to get you through spike traps. So yeah. you start to realize that actually if you're ever just running, you're sort of making a mistake. Like you should always either be on your bum or in the air. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the other is that you don't have to kill enemies. No. Like you don't get anything for killing them. It, they don't drop anything. They, I mean, obviously you want to be able to spend enough time in each environment to loot them because money is very important and you want to pick up all the stuff. But also if you whip any collectible, you grab it, which again is another reason that like the, uh, um, you know, there's, there's some interesting upgrades. Like there's the one that puts basically like a hammer on the end of the whip so you can knock things much further away, uh, which is great because but it doesn't apply to pickups. So when it hits a pickup, you just collect it. So you can be, you know, just smacking enemies out of the way and whipping, uh, you know, treasure into your hands as you slide past and not stopping for anything. And, and when you're going fast enough, you have to be careful of some traps that will catch you, particularly in later areas of the game. I don't know how deep 
fantastic. I think I've got to about five, five or six. Have you done a boss? Yes. Okay. So you've gotten to like where it gets a bit greener and yep. there's, yeah, more wizards and yeah, those lots kinds of wizards. Of yeah. Um, like that you start to get like more stuff that you need to be more careful about, but it feels like the, the goal of the game is almost to start playing it like you watch a speedrunner play an FPS where they, you only pay attention to the few things that, that really matter in the environment. Yeah. I watched, than, I watched yeah. a sort of a speed run, which is like six minutes for all 14 levels. And, you know, with no, no tricks or anything, it was just pure play. And it was just ignoring everything, running through, uh, lots of using every ring to get, cause you get the speed boost yeah. sliding. So the slide is a funny feeling thing because if you just slide, you stay in that slide for ages and you slow down. Well, it's like you fall over, right? Stop. Yeah. You go, <laughs> and you're go, and you're kind of like, Oh, and you're sort of scraped to a kind of a halt. And then you stand up and it's sort of, Oh, that didn't feel so good. But if you jump, then suddenly you get a little speed boost as if you're kind of leaping off or sliding across the ground. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little game. Like it's, it's, I think I said this when we spoke about last time, but it's not occupied. It's, it's not absorbed me a hundred percent. Like I've not felt mm. the need to play it all of the time. But I have consistently returned to it, which makes me feel like my purchase of it was worthwhile, you know, because I've kind of consistently got like half an hour of fun out of it. Yeah, yeah. Because it does provide these little uh sort of adventures, I think. I have gotten, like, I've never really gotten past like maybe seven or eight levels in, like halfway through, basically. So, but that's about as far as I comfortably got with Spelunky, I think. Like, yeah. I'm kind of used to the idea that these games, you're probably not going to see the end. That you can enjoy as long as you appreciate and you know, sort of accept that and you mm. can enjoy what you do do. Although I suppose there's an argument that these games sort of should ideally inspire a kind of compulsion to keep getting better and to, you know, to, to work and work and work till you do see the end. That's the, the Spelunky or Binding of Isaac or Crypto the Necrodancer kind of thing, right? Where people get really obsessed with solving them. That for me was the good thing about the daily challenge chain, you know, because the daily challenge sort of said to me, you know, this is what you're dealt. You just do as well as you can, you know, as opposed to, you know, like you just roll a new level, try, fail, roll a new level, try, fail. There's a sort of a, there's a sort of an end to the, to the daily challenge, Mm. which is exactly one level long. Yes. Right. And I think the, um, I think when you get the, the hang of its sort of, uh, movement system specifically it is quite a, a nice feeling game i think yeah. you, i think you're right that initially it can feel a bit slow or or un- unclear what its kind of criteria for smooth movement success are but they are they they do exist it's and when there. you kind of figure yeah. them out to learn them yeah yeah no so it's, it's a cool game it's interesting that that the that kind of level of compulsion I, I totally agree with you about it lacking the same level of compulsion uh, certainly spelunky mm. i I think I'm, I'm as good as you at it and I, but I definitely kind of played it a lot kind of for several, you know, in sort of intensively over several chunks, you know, mm. and, um, and I wonder whether it's just the awareness you have in Spelunky because it's just, zo- your view is zoomed out. Like you're just more aware. Yeah. This is, you know, you are very tunnel vision and you're just dealing with what's in front of you all the time. In, in, in Spelunky, you're very aware of what could have just happened. Yeah. Whereas in this, when you do finally die, it's often like, um, oh, it was a spike trap and I yeah. never noticed. Oh, I was just buffeted by something and I fell down a yeah. big hole. Yeah. Hmm. 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 But it is good. City of Brass. City of Brass. Uh, a, a very pleasant computer 
game. <laughs> Pip. Pip. Hello. Pip. What have you been up to in the world of... The game that I can talk about is House Flipper. House Flipper. Mm. So, do you have some sort of giant spatula? I wish. Give me a fulcrum and a long enough spatula and I'll be flinging houses, said an ancient philosopher of some description. Anyway. (laughs) So, no, it's more in a kind of um, doing up houses and selling them. Oh, I see. Vein of flipping. Oh, so it's like on TV. flipping. Yeah. Yeah, Is that an American term, flipping? I believe so. Mm. Flipping. I've I've heard it a lot in uh, like uh, tabletop gaming communities, like buying something to flip it, Mm. buying something rare to flip it, Mm. that kind of thing. That's what the kids are doing. Like a tiddlywink. (laughs) (laughs) They just won't stop flipping tiddlywinks, Mm. these kids. Bloody Generation Z. (laughs) First they come for television. Um, you were saying? What's a television? I don't know. Anyway. Um, so do you sell... What's it, so-, so it's kind of in the vein of things like Viscera Cleanup Detail and there's a little game called Home Improvement with lots of umlauts kind of based on putting together IKEA furniture. Mm. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So the the idea is that you've got a home that is, or you know, like you you can take on assignments for cleaning up other people's homes. And so you learn how to use various tools like repainting things and plastering over holes in the wall and knocking things down and, you know, repartitioning rooms and clearing up rubble and hoovering up cockroaches, because why not? Um... And so that's one element of the game and you earn money by doing that kind of thing and then you can start investing in property. Um, So you buy these new places and then you do them up and I believe there's like a, you know, a collection of people who are willing to buy things and there's little, you know, hints on loading screens as to what maybe they're into or, Hmm. you know particular demands on house i've only actually just started with that particular bit because i find the ui really difficult to to navigate it's things like um i you've got so you've got your little shack that you start off in with a laptop and you know it's a mess and you can open up emails with assignments that you can take on and start earning this money and learning how to use things but I found it quite, it's one of those things where, you know, when um, it tells you that something is 97% clean and you just <laughs> can't find that last 3% that you need to mop or, you know, it tells you that you need to mount a particular fixture or a particular like appliance or something. And you're just looking around going, where, what, what is this thing? So I found that quite frustrating. Does and it so- give you the option to not do that? So you can complete tasks sort of half done. Like you you have a meter that fills up as you complete elements of what the person has asked you to do. And once it gets past like the, the minimum, you can complete it and just earn slightly less money or whatever. Um, and so there were one or two tasks where I just sort of... Because it was doing this thing where it was telling me that I needed to demolish some walls, but I hadn't realised where you see the information on the um on the ui about which walls it was so i just knocked down half their house <laughs> but you know 
did manage to find some of the walls that it was picking and so it just then then wandered off being like well my job here is done goodbye <laughs> i will charge you that money now um but now i'm a bit more comfy with all of that and i'm just sort of starting to put together my first house that i will then try and sell like so this this house did you you get it in in estates and then you yeah of- so i've bought this so i you know i i was in the process of renovating my first like the the one that you start off in but then i just thought uh i've got a lot of money because i was just doing all of these tasks and wasn't really realizing what i was supposed to be doing so i'd actually accrued i think 50,000 in-game bucks so i bought a little house and i'm now starting to do things like tiling the bathroom and things like that um so it's kind of interesting and I think it's set up to scratch that itch to, you know, the the sort of the same sort of thing that maybe sees you losing hours to the Sims, you know, building mode and stuff. Um but making a whole game out of that or like it's maybe the same um reason that people pick up uh home improvement shows or look at magazines for things that they could do with spaces you know so there's a certain amount of that kind of thing um it also seems to have a bit of a weird sense of humor like one of the tabs um where you can buy furniture to put in this place is just sort of seems to be based around sort of doomsday survivalist stuff Um, preppers yeah basically Uh, but i haven't encountered that in whatever you know the the general story-ish because i was going to ask you about the kind of the the feel of it because it sounds quite sort of sterile and kind of not particularly funny because a visceral cleanup detail i quite i I like for its sort of sense of humor Mm. Mm. i think the things that i really don't like about it are the fact that the the mess just seems so anonymous like with viscera you actually get a story Mm. you know you you find out what happened basically and and, you know they use a lot of repeated assets or you know it's you're essentially performing the same few tasks again and again but the way that the level is laid out it's still a varied experience Mm. whereas this was very much you know single left click on every single you know beer bottle and you know, pe- uh, rubbish box and, you know, so that like, stuff. Oh, a bunch of students did this or... There was one. A sad old man. It was like, oh, students have wrecked my rental house. So, you know, clear it up. But all of all that amounted to was slightly more beer bottles than... Do you mean in- there wasn't even a plastic sort of chest piece with, with, with plastic boots on it? <laughs> A humorous. So there were, you know, it's things like there were some posters and a bit of graffiti, but that was nowhere near enough that that mm. gave the level any personality. And I think that's the thing is that so many of the assets are just a bit dingy and a bit eh. So once you've managed to get the thing clean, there's the vague satisfaction of oh well, at least it's not a tip anymore. But it's like it it's not the sort of um, that weird aspirational um cleanliness that you get in a home homeware catalog or a, mm. you know a home furnishings catalog or something it's very much a kind of and now you have managed to create a default show home kind of thing and <laughs> and the there's just there's slightly, no kind of creativity aside of it there's <laughs> 
you can do little things like when I was um, when I've been tiling this bathroom I did so the way that you approach the walls is it divides them into vertical strips and you have to paint or tile them individually as you go round and that's how you you know cover a whole room over time um but so with this the only variation that you can get is this vertical slices so you know i could do an accent wall or something but it's not like how i guess in some bathrooms you get the top half painted and the bottom half tiled or you know there's no sort of dado rail or you know any of that like see first hall <laughs> there's like no skirting boards you know there's yeah. no sort of real points of decorative flair in that sense so and i don't really know if that's what they're going for is it, it might, another access game um i don't know i've just uh, you know i just spent a few hours playing it this afternoon and didn't really research that side of it yet um and just you know had a co- i think it's fully out but mm. and so the the prepper side of things makes me think maybe they're just going for weird twitch streaming kind of stuff like more treating it as an oddity than as a thing that people might legitimately get into in a kind of like i i know that it won't be for everybody but i do think that there is a peculiar satisfaction in tidying a virtual environment because mm. you can actually get it clean and it takes far less time than actually cleaning your house and it's not full of awkward objects you can sort of get to grips with it but so it doesn't have viscera's personality i mean you know there's glimpses of this perhaps like sense of humor that just sort of is more to do with i don't know um uh, yeah but like so it doesn't have that kind of you know verve to it and it doesn't have the sort of um the weird reveling in granular detail of home improvement even though that um no home improvisation where because that's sort of a a thing that riffs on the joke that ikea furniture might not have all of the right pieces or you know and that has actually never been my experience with ikea furniture but you know it's that it plays on that idea that you'll have all the wrong pieces and you'll just have to make something that you know just about holds up and you know i got really obsessed with trying to build a chair correctly out of the pieces that it gave me even though you know so you couldn't build the chair correctly but i still wanted to at least you know have the perfect thing based on the components i had Mm. um so but with this it's things like you have to plumb in a shower or a loo or something but each thing is you literally just hold the left mouse button down on the glowing blue component of the thing oh is there kind of like nodes only certain places yeah, so you like, can kind of put them in so um but it, it you don't even have to exercise any brain power you just look for the thing that's glowing blue hold your mouse cursor over it while pressing down and it will do all of the connecting and things for you you just have to click your way through this stuff and in that way it's a lot more like those weird you know disney princess surgery games that you get online where it's just click the pimples you know click the broken bone like remove the glass make the money Yeah. yeah that kind of thing and and then oh the thing is now complete next on the list so you didn't get you didn't the money didn't 
didn't, didn't touch you. Like you didn't think, oh, I want to make another cool grand for this <laughs> flipping. Well, so Flip this the is the other thing. House though. for the grand. I, the so I haven't, I haven't. Even watching the wire. <laughs> I haven't got to the point where I can sell like that house yet and make any actual profit off it. But like, I was wondering, cause I thought maybe if it did have a sense of humor, I'd be able to do some weird things, but it's things like. You just like, want to be realistic though. So you can sell, you can sell, um, objects off. So I just tried to click on a few random bits of people's furniture to see if I could just sell those and make a bit more of a profit, you know, while I was in their house unattended, just selling their, you know, cooker or something. But then the game flashes up saying, that's immoral. No, you know, like oh. the, the game won't then do it. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, so, so you're not going for laughs. Like, so this is a serious thing, but... But then why does it look so dingy and unsatisfying when it's actually completed? And I because think that's what property is really about. Well, yeah, that is what, yeah, that's the truth. And, of doing, and flipping houses. Like yeah. if you want to sell a house, you put the most boring decor in to, 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 <laughs> yeah. to appeal when to you, the when, to be honest, slice when, of people. When you buy a house in order to flip it in this economy, mm. that's when the pop-up that should come up saying, that's immoral. <laughs> I hope you're not buying to let. Indeed. <laughs> How many houses do you already own? <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so I'm, maybe it will get better once I get into the swing of that stuff, but the actual moment to moment stuff just feels so boring and so like, oh, click on a thing. And like the most interesting it gets is that you move a little scraper cleaner device around when you're cleaning a window. Because the viscera like, kind of obviously is like, mundane as hell, but then it, it has that kind of physics element of it, which kept puts yeah, it sort of slice of slapstick and chaos. It's also and, fundamentally yeah. multiplayer as well. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Oh, there's, uh, there's this no single multiplayer. Player. Totally single. And so, is, this is, is this a podcast game? Is this something that you just do something else while think about something else while you're playing? I is honestly it that don't know because I didn't find it relaxing. I found it really annoying that I was just clicking on these things. If I want to play a clicker game, I'll play something else because this was just, it's slightly too much work to be that kind of game, but it's not engaging enough to be the next rung up. Mm. And so I just, yeah, like, I, and this whole yeah the dinginess of it it just it makes me think i genuinely believe that there's a market for that kind of game and that kind of experience but i think that as soon as a game comes along with just slightly more customization options or just a better palette you know like a a better default set of assets this game is going to be irrelevant you know it's like it it's only the thing that I'm playing out of interest on that front because there is nothing else that I've seen mm. or that has pinged my radar in that moment. Like mm. as soon as there's something better, it loses its USP as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I, yeah, like it, maybe it will get better once I start actually selling houses, but I don't think so because. Or, or maybe if this prepper thing turns into a an interesting story node, but I've had enough of preppers. <laughs> had enough of them guys. But yeah, at the moment it's just it's not pretty enough, it's not engaging enough, the emails that you get from strangers are not well written enough. It's yeah. 
I'm not usually like this about games, but <laughs> it's just not too dingy yeah. for Pip. <laughs> Indeed. We've been playing Chris. So I want to take you on a journey. Uh, a journey from uh, expectation to reality about myself more than anything else. Uh, a journey from uh, intention <laughs> to uh, wherever the fuck it is I ended up. So I decided that I wanted to play uh, Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire because it looks like a lot of fun and I'm very much looking forward to it. And I very much liked Pillars of Eternity, but because of a big town related crisis, I didn't finish Pillars of Eternity. So, and that was also a little while ago. So, uh, so I hadn't finished Pillars of Eternity. So I thought, well, you know what? It's time to finish Pillars of Eternity. So that might mean starting Pillars of Eternity again. So I did. Uh, and then I played Pillars of Eternity for 10 minutes. And then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write something about Baldur's Gate. So I did. <laughs> so I, I played, I was like, you know. So you went back to Baldur's I Gate. I did. I went back to Baldur's Gate Expanded Edition, which is very good. Um, and does a lot of things to make that game pleasant. I was like, oh, I love this game. Oh, I always love this game. So I played the first three or four hours of Baldur's Gate. And I'm like, I love this. This is good. And then, so I was, I've been in a bit of a D&D mindset lately. I listened to quite a few or like, or, you know, there's a few I really, really enjoyed, like live play so D&D too, podcasts. I, I was, um, where's he going to go next? So, and, so, and, Ultima you know, 7. And so I'm, well, you wait. So I'm, <laughs> hey, with a goblin. So and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about, oh, I wish I was playing D&D more in real life. I wish maybe, maybe I'd like to do more live play stuff myself. You know, that's not a teaser. It's something I'd like to do, you know, we'll get to that point eventually. And then... Uh, and then I found myself playing the official Dungeons and Dragons clicker game. Oh, that uh, took a direction that I wasn't expecting. Exactly. Which is called Idle Champions and it came out last year. And so as a rule, I've not really ever really gotten into a clicker game. It's not really my thing. I don't tend to play like mobile games at all. Like I don't, I'm not really one for that kind of thing. Um, and, so I I want to talk about this because I've played quite a lot of Idol Champions this week. What started as a decision to play Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire has ended with me putting about 65 hours <laughs> into the official Dungeons & Dragons clicker game, which I think is like a trajectory you can plot on a graph, but it only goes in one direction, if you know what I mean. Uh, in turn, But actually, so this is why I'm torn. So... I quite like it, and I think there are things about it that might be good. But I can't tell, because like any clicker game, there's a, a fundamental and very surface level and very explicit and possibly very true sense that you are engaging in a tremendous waste of time, hmm. right? That what you're doing is simply, it's 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 like, it's not, you know, it's not even like, uh, onanistic or masturbatory because it's not that much fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it simply is like. Sometimes masturbation isn't fun. That's true. You can but just have a little bully wank to get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even that. It doesn't, it doesn't have For the example. immediacy or the purpose or the, the, the outlet. It doesn't let anything out. It just adds, you know, it's purely additive. It's like, it's, it is the game equivalent of, Eating when you're full. It's like collecting urine in bowls. <laughs> Even that would have a certain sort of why you're doing that, sort of chic to it. Whereas why you're doing this is very understandable. And the reason is because it's nice to watch the numbers go up. 
So I should say a little bit more of what it is. Because, like, there are games that, like, uh, Clicker Heroes, which I think are genuinely in the sort of, like, hot garbage, sort of congregate new grounds kind of sector of, like, lunchtime time waster kind of things. And then there are things like Adventure Capitalist and games that have built more game around it, but the fundamentals are the same, right? Like, the sort of make a, make an engine that makes the engines that makes engines that makes engines. Uh, what this is, is so, and I, I don't want to be too mean about it because there's an earnest attempt to build a game here. Like, and there's some game to it. So the notion is that you're a part, you have a party of adventurers and you start an adventure and you start every adventure with uh, zero gold. Um, and uh, your fighters fight automatically, although you can click on enemies in order. What are you to, seeing on the screen? You're so seeing you're seeing a party walk from left to right. Right. And enemies walk on from the right hand side of the screen and your party fights them. Uh, based on their cooldowns and things. And so you can click on enemies to stagger them or do damage to them. And your own click damage is something you can upgrade. Or you can eventually unlock ultimate powers for your uh, 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 characters that have some, like, that have to be deployed strategically. So you might have one that paralyzes every enemy, but you might want, not want to use that until your enemy is in a certain position where you, your character with a cleave attack can make use of it. So there's some, there is, I want to stress this, there's some game here. There's also, the, the but and the fundamentals of it uh strategy is uh you have a formation and so in the default campaign it's a diamond that ultimately has nodes on it and you plug each champion into a node and as you level up characters you make some you spend money to level them up and then as uh, not as an, as an in-game gold and then you uh you unlock uh, obviously they get better at whatever they do like healing or fighting or tanking or damage but a lot of them also then start to apply buffs in a particular shape so your bard projects a damage boost forwards across the entire formation. One of your tanks produces a damage buff into the column behind her. One of your uh, fighters gives bonus damage to everybody in his column. One of your your wizard can choose an affinity of another D&D fantasy race and boosts all characters of that type. And there's multiple characters. You won't get every character in every run. It feels dangerously game-like. It does feel dangerously game-like, right? So... And so there is, there's a strategy, there's a sense, pervasive sense that there's probably a right way to approach everything. Um, so there's a strategy initially in just building an efficient machine uh, that eats them, you know, investing money in your own clicking feels like a folly. You want to build the machine that can do it. And you start off doing like, you know, you have your DPS meter and it'll start off like three. And then by the time you've invested a bit of time into a run, it gets efficient. You get up to um, trillion damage per second. Like it, it has the full, like, you know, uh, clicker number wang thing are you still fighting kind of like goblins kobolds and rats and things. So it doesn't like up the except thing this rat has like 4.7 septillion health <laughs> um and gives you like between like 1.8 and 2.6 billion gold when it dies and this is starting like your first upgrade will cost six gold and then later you're trying to do, like, figure out whether to invest 226 billion gold here or, or whatever this is the game it is um and then uh, after you've done like a tutorial and stuff and you've gone through that loop, there's like, um, you know, you, you embark upon particular challenge modes and challenge modes will change things about the formation or impose restrictions on you, like human characters only or, uh, four spots in the formation are taken up by chickens. And so you can't put people there and that changes which characters and buffs become viable because it might mean that there's no coherent columns, for example, that you, to make use of particular column abilities. Um, it might be that the one that gives a bonus to, or people of a particular type have a benefit. And then you get into the maths of it and the actual looking for a solution. So a lot of these, you know, 
a lot of these adventures have 50 stages and then they loop and but some of the challenges would be to get like level 75 which is you know all one and a half runs basically and you might pick a character who can pick a favored enemy for the entire party and then gets bonus doubles your damage against that enemy type and you'll initially make the wrong mistake you'll make the wrong decision because you'll you'll pick the one that you're currently fighting what you need to do is figure out what's the enemy type of the last five stages to reach the target you want to reach because that's the point where it's going to become really difficult and then you get into the business management the project management nature of this sort of thing where it's like well actually it's very inefficient if you you know you get a certain amount of gems every time you kill a boss and gems can be used for like chests and chests get items and the the only thing about your about your progress that is permanent is items that you get for characters and some of them are extremely extremely good like 350 percent bonus damage at all times for this character and then the other thing is when you finish a run you lose all your gold, so you start from zero with zero modifier for the next one. But all that gold gets banked, and because this is somewhere between like capitalism and D and D and and whatever, that then turns into divine favor with whatever god rules that part of the world, and that applies. And however much divine favor you get can then be cashed in for permanent buffs or whatever sort of like liquid pool of favor you still have applies a percentage multiplier to the amount of gold you get from any given enemy so you have to then you're doing this maths of like if i as long as i make sure i don't spend too much on permanent upgrades i can be in a position where i'm getting like ten thousand percent more gold from everything which means that i'm unlocking late game characters within the first three stages rather than 25 stages in because i'm getting you know i'm getting making gold in the millions within a few stages whereas previously i was only making it within the first half of the run and you get into this mind state and then you're leaving your computer on overnight because you can you know it's it's not really worth you know it's better to start a new run and do more bosses and get more chests and then and then do this and that and the other but then you get to this point where it's like well if I left it all on all night, then I'll probably just grind away on like level 69 of, of what I'm up to, which is nice. And then you'll get to the, um, and you'll, you'll wake up and you'll have like eight quadrillion gold. And that allows you to do this thing, which gets you an achievement, which applies a 1% flat damage buff across the entire party. And that's permanent. And you can apply that to the event that's running at the moment, only lasts eight days. And you got to do all the things in it in order to get the, the thing. And then. Is that P- why you got I... up at 4am? No, I get up at 4am anyway. Did you check on your clicker? No, because I haven't been playing it for two days because I knew I needed to stop. <laughs> I was just going to say, it sounds like you need an intervention. It does, except I feel like I've been good because <laughs> oh, no. because I haven't spent any money. The game is free. That's not how that works. But I haven't, Time. But I haven't spent any money. Time. And so this is 65 thing. hours. Well, a lot of that is overnight. <laughs> so And going out and leaving it on and stuff. Power. So power consumption i know i know you could have been mining bitcoin yeah definitely what are you doing I know. you could have been getting it's real like, money it is like mining bitcoin but with wizards and oh my god there must, there must be a clicker a game there must be a clicker minor game there must be surely like the, the kind of just i'm not proud of myself i'm not i'm not i'm not, I'm not coming here to say that you know that this is a laudable thing except so it gives me such anxiety because because for one thing i'm not proud of the time i spent on this and i kept drifting towards it's a very good editing a podcast game because you can just sort of click on it you can also play it and dota at the same time and i have been um there's uh is that why you've got back into turbo dota no turbo dota makes it harder turbo dota is too fast and immediate and exciting you need old dota where you die for 75 seconds that's enough time to spend all the gold um like there's, I'm, 
so I, I, the, the complicated way in which I feel like this is virtuous is one is that I do think there's a game there. There's like the strategic element of arranging the system is fun. Like trying to figure that out is, is an interesting like bit of game design. The problem with it, and also it is possible to play in a way that doesn't require any spam clicking uh, because you very quickly, unless you put any money into upgrading your click damage, you very quickly outpace how much damage you can do with clicking, which means apart from staggering bosses, there's no point clicking. But you do though, don't you? You're just going to go, well, do a little clickies. Sometimes clickies, you do a bit do of a little clickies. Click. And you, you, you can mouse out, your, your, your characters will pass gold, will collect gold as they walk past it anyway, but you can like scrub over it with the mouse to collect it faster and it goes jingle in a pop cappy way. Ooh, I like that. Who made it? Do you know? I uh, shit. I've forgotten. It did now and it's completely, I've completely, it's, someone, it's, it's a studio. Someone, yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, an official Wizards of the Coast Goblins product. Like it. it's, it's a real thing. So that, that stuff I think is good. That, that's game. You know, there's, there's something there and it doesn't have to be the most immediate thing or, you know, it should be okay to play it in the background. That's fine. The thing that gets me, I think is the fact that it's also supported by microtransactions. And I've avoided paying money, but there's, because it feels like the emptiest thing in the world, but there's this thing and it's, it's <laughs> yeah, you know, imagine the it's, sense of the utter futility. I know. Self-hatred when you drop a hundred quid on this. Thing. Yeah. And it's, oh, this is the thing. It's like, it's this little sort of valve unto evil that sort of sits there and again, it's otherwise quite charming. And the reason I heard about it was because they have most of the characters in it are from, because uh, it's a set, you don't design the characters, it's a fixed set. And most of them are from the sort of family of, uh, D and D, the sort of most prominent family of D and D live play podcasts and things. So the characters that people enjoy from other media, Minsk from uh, Baldur's Gate is in it. Like, you know, uh, so it's got that kind of thing. And I was like, all right, why do I like this? Um, but the fact that, so like, and it does this thing of like, if you pay $5 for three gold chests, then you get given a, a cool axe for the main, the character you pretty much always have in your party, which makes them do 750% more damage, which is insane. That is such a huge boost. And it would get me through loads it's only of the, five quick, it's only five I know, quick and it would get me through loads of the challenges that I've been working on and struggling with it's and trying to, quick, trying to grind towards. And so I, I did, I clicked it. I clicked it, Alex and Pip. I clicked it. I clicked the purchase now button. And then the thing, the steam overlay came up and it went, that's like three pound 40. And I just went, and I went, no, and I closed it. <laughs> and I'm very proud of myself, but I wish this game that I like and I didn't expect to like didn't felt less like a trap. And I wish I didn't feel this complicated, self-justifying shame. Because it's also, there's another layer of it as well where, you know, this is a game that's clearly had a shitload of time and craft put into it. And, mm. um, and like you should feel like, you know, if you're going to pay for something, you actually sort of, you know, you're paying back the developers. You yeah, know? I, I, that was my, just, no, that first... was my feeling. My feeling right, was, okay. I've played, uh, you know, dozens of hours of this now. Like, let's, let's, you know, tip them three quid just to say, thanks for making a game. Because I think, you know, there are far less interactive clicker games. There are far less strategically interesting clicker games. Kudos for them for making something with a bit of, uh, grit to it, a bit of texture. Uh, but then it was, it's almost worse to me that you get such a big prize yeah. for breaking I want that you to money. Know that I did seal. it for you, not for the act. Yeah, exactly. And the they know, they me. know that once you spent money once and it's a single player game, you know what I mean? There's no multiplayer element. There's no competitive element. There's no comparative element. It's just how deep into water deep can I force my wallet? And that's the emptiest thing in the world at the end of the time, at, at the end of the day, because 
if you can, you can, because you can trivialize the difficulty of certain things just by spending just a little bit of money, a little bit of money. <laughs> Why am I playing this? You could be playing a. Uh, uh, Pillars of Eternity 2. I could be. I could be. You've decided that it's more of a game than, for example, some of the ones that I play just because it's more. No, no, but I mean, you know, it, it panders more to your sort of, I guess, like adventure game style. Goblin loving. Well, no, but I mean, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's like str- it, it lets you create an engine that feels like you're making strategic choices. Whereas, like, I play a bunch of strategy games, uh, not strategy games, clicker games, that are a lot more about curating. And so you're clicking to drive up the numbers, but the larger numbers mean that you can buy, for example, different types of fish or different types of, you know, mm. set dressing and things. And, like, to me, that's that is a game right yeah but i feel like because you're saying this is you know you're sort of you're willing to give it more of a pass because it's more of a game than some things mm. and i think it's that's i just wanted to pick that up because i think that's very much just depends on your point of view i would say that that comparison because i'm you know I'm aware of like um it's um is it um it used to be called. It used to be called Tap Tap, tap Fish. Tap Tap Fish. I have real problems with how they've monetized it recently. Do not get me wrong. It's right. Really angry. See, because those things making. are explicitly like. So, I mean, I don't want to get into what's a game and what's not thing because that's a poor real territory that no one ever you know doesn't don't know. But like those those sorts of those sorts of games, particular mobile, have a sort of um, not a toyish quality, but like yeah, you're right, like a curatorial kind of diorama creation, like an aesthetic quality, right? Like you. You invest your clicks and your time and your energy because you get an aesthetic reward from it. The comparison I was making more with this is things like Clicker Heroes, which are very similar things. They're adventure games, but literally all you do is is click on monsters in order to buy gadgets that make you click on monsters more. And there's no curatorial element. There's no... No, but what I'm saying is that I I didn't want it to be that we'd just written off like things that don't have those extra elements as if they are there's always a danger of sort of putting yeah putting kind of game like kind of strategic things up to make it more legitimizing because there is also a strategic layer because you know not in the sense that you're talking about with fighting monsters and things but there is in terms of you know figuring out how to do things efficiently or you know what the new event means in terms of Mm. you know how you can get the things that you want out of it and things like that and um there have been some interesting ones that i've played in the past that really were just about like having numbers go up but they were interesting in terms of like they weren't monetized and so you would mm. cap out after a while because there was a limit to what they were doing that was interesting and it's sort of like oh is that because like there's no incentive to make a game beyond this point because it's not going to bring in mm. money or like that's the experience that people will have got out of it at this point so that's kind of and there's a kind of like there's the, as well. the sort of the narrative sort of like the uh paper clips universal paper clips yeah which, is, mention that. which kind of you know has the cookie clicker so yeah, yeah. like, like where where there's you're experiencing a story there's that's one about potatoes uh putting potatoes in space i, I don't know that one um there's also a really interesting clicker game um that 
uh, I think someone wrote about as part of Bit Summit, um, so the Japanese games event. Um, it sounded really interesting, and so I picked it up. It's called My Organic Garden, um, and or forget me not colon My Organic Garden. But what it is is um, you click on these things to grow and harvest human organs that grow on plants and then you can like uh sell them to people like they'll they'll send in orders for things like you know great colons and things like that or hearts or whatever but also people will come to you in your sort of weird death greenhouse um and ask for things because these organs like have a soul as well so you can bring like weird dolls to life or like you can bring someone's cat back to life you know that kind of thing and so there's like that that's more on the end of like there's a very definite narrative to follow and a real end point and mm. it's interesting in that regard but you are still ultimately clicking everything and you know just sort of upgrading and upgrading and trying to make your own life a bit easier and like trying to click slightly less than you absolutely have to um and so this wasn't to criticize you for for what you were feeling about the game because i think i find it so interesting how people justify this stuff because like mm. there are mm. things that i will pay for and things that i won't pay for and it's all sort of on a weird like self-justified scale that obviously the developers will never if i can just stay on the right no. side of the line i've arbitrarily drawn here yeah, yeah exactly. it's all gonna be okay and there are kind of casual games that i will not donate to and i wish that there was some way of like explaining my displeasure rather than you know just sending an email that will go nowhere but it's like you know that they are my line in the sand of I will carry on playing this thing but I will never invest money I will close my eyes when you make me watch an advert you know all of that kind of stuff it's kind of weird though because like you know the sort of uh the developers always put a lot of effort into these things yeah absolutely. Been running very conscious of that and like yeah. you know and and it's like the very form of the of the of the genre seems to kind of stop you wanting to give them any money like it's a bit mm. Yeah, it's kind of slightly abusive and weird. Like, every, like the developer and the players are all kind of sort of viewing each other with deep suspicion. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to pay for my thing, are you? Yeah, but you're just eating all my time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. I think, you know, I, 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 it makes me nervous that maybe it came across that I was saying that other games aren't games or whatever. Like, I'm not interested in that. Simply because this one, like, it almost gets farther enough, far enough away from being a clicker game to the extent that you don't have to click and it becomes a strategy game, right? Like, there's a, there's a, there's a dial here uh, being turned one way or the other. And, and that's not a value judgment. I think it's just a mechanical fact of the design of the game that it's actually about fantasy party management. Mm. And, you know, there's an element of this that has a relationship with like the, the sort of, um, is it the gambit system, Final Fantasy or the, yeah. like, which has, you know, how make an optimal party that can grind environments for you or yeah. Diablo or yeah. those kinds of games, at which point we would consider it to be in a different genre entirely. And yet, you know, like it sort of struggles on the edge of that genre and therefore, and then the presence of the microtransaction element adds that. But I think yeah, sort of it's it's where Distrust. yeah, where is the what what is the ultimate aim? I think with with Diablo, you can say well, not, my ultimate aim is to be able to play with my friends, you know, do that thing with my friends, yeah, and kind of the what was the game you mentioned before, like the uh, the similar game that before Diablo just then. Oh, um, Final Fantasy. Yeah, Final Fantasy. Actually, that's really clickery. 
But then you're kind of experiencing a story. Mm. It's, it's kind of There's like, a light story to each of the campaigns in um, yeah. in the D&D one, but it's mostly just a little bit of flavour. Yeah. Weirdly, I wonder whether... Because there are games that are so obviously that kind of clicker game that will try and extract money at all available opportunities. And it feels like, from what you've described, this one is perhaps maybe slightly more risky to engage with because it's sort of... Mm. I, I, I don't want to accuse it of being pay-to-win having not played it, but things like that 750% damage boost, like when there's an element of like far more strategic play or, you know, something that is far closer to games that you would buy as a sort of finished boxed Mm. prospect or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Like because it has a little bit more mechanical crunch to it, it makes the presence of those... uh, sort of uh progress speeding uh microtransactions more egregious in a way because i don't think winning is really a concept in this because there's not you're not competing against anyone except yourself you know Mm. like um it's it's that if it were purely you know bop the monster with your mouse then it wouldn't be tempting to spend money i think because it'd be like well I'm, i'm getting the entirety of this experience just by clicking on the monster and maybe i'd like to see more zeros at the end of those numbers but you can probably live without it unless it's a particularly low moment and you know, desperately want that for some reason. Um, because there's this sense of like, you know, I mean, I have frustrations with it. Like sometimes you just sort of bottom out in terms of like, you need, there's a strange phenomenon where you, you kind of have to, you can close a run early and take all the money you've got and apply that to your multiplier for the next run. And sometimes you'll get to like right at the end of a run and realize that like the amount of time you'd need to leave the game on to make enough gold to get the buffs you need to beat it is more time than it would take to bank the gold you've got, start again with a bigger multiplier and work back to that point faster and with more gold in the bank. <laughs> so you get over it. So there's a sense that you, you go back over the stuff and you, you know, and that's actually part of the strategy of the game is working out when to cash in and when to check out. That's not spending money. That's just mm. managing the game's maths and managing maths is fun. Managing maths is the heart of most RPGs in from a mechanical point of view. Um, it's knowing that when I'm in that situation, uh, you know, you're always playing, like you can go to the obviously main menu set quests and stuff, but the idea is the game is always doing something in the background. You know, that microtransaction store menu pops out of any, any interface in the game. You can do it during a campaign, knowing that the solution to this problem is, okay, yeah, cash out, reinvest the same money, get the bonuses, go back, start it again, or it's click that button, get that, that incentive for spending a little bit of money and then be, beat it. Do you think the maths might absorb that? Or is it just eventually? Yeah, because it scales mm. beyond the point that I'm working towards, mm. right? Like, mm. but it scales forever because that's the point. I mean, it feels like the moment you spend is the moment you are on the treadmill in a different way to the way I am. Like, I've been enjoying tinkering with the systems and trying to understand it and maybe hitting some of its limitations. But yeah, it's a funny thing because obviously there's sort of talent and care gone into making mm. this thing. Um, and it's just a shame that it feels so much like a trap. Are you going to be very upset, do you think, when you realise that you can't then send this party into Pillars of Eternity Deadfire and let <laughs> quadrabillion damage get, shit can go you get overnight? Min- <laughs> your, your new run of Baldur's Gate 2. I could do, but he's not going to do 11 billion damage, is he? <laughs> um, no, I am going to try and replay Pillars of Eternity. I just, yeah, like, you know, we, you think a lot about what's a worthy game experience, what isn't, and uh, I guess I just, like, feasted on junk food for a couple of nights but yeah interesting and you know like 
I'm really glad that you got absorbed into one because I was sort of wondering whether it I'm was quite, just a... I'm quite disciplined about this sort of thing normally. I don't, I don't let you myself know what sink. Because I, mean? yeah. like, I enjoy some of them and, you know, some are more risky than others and some mm. I have regretted spending money on because of various, like monetization moves that they subsequently made like yeah. kind of you know when when they're sort of starting out and like all sort of you know like weird financial bambies and you're like oh you know good for you here's mm. five dollars like I'll, yeah i'll take that dolphin that's fine whatever and then you know a few I, I don't know like you come back a year later and it's like i'm now a shark and you're gonna die <laughs> i don't know where this is going because i forgot <laughs> about whales as well they're involved in this <laughs> anyway at the zoo <laughs> the zoo of game development um this is my i i'm david attenborough and you have been listening to planet earth <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like when somebody is starting, I, I'm, I, I, I. No, but you, when when a developer is starting out and sort of seems to be a lot more good faith, right? And you sort of think, oh, you know what? I'll chuck you a few quid because I'm enjoying your game, and you know, like there's some option that allows me to just throw a few dollars your way, and and you know that's not really a, a sentiment that registers. It's like, oh, you know, this is a money maker kind of, and you know, I think. It grabs people mm. in a particular way. They make money. And, you know, I, I was, we mentioned Tap Tap Fish earlier, and that's one that I, I enjoyed. And I, you know, uh, spent a lot of time with it and have a, lo a load of lovely fish and things. But they changed how their special events work. They got really gougy, really kind of like, you know, lucky drop kind of oriented really complicated there's like so many different currencies in that game now you can like you earn different like you earn sea urchins and you earn seaweed and you can spend them on like all kinds of different things and it's just it's just too complicated and it's kind of a mess and they they walked a lot of it back with a subsequent event but like yeah it that absolutely destroyed the goodwill that I think it had built up and one of its biggest sort of fans, like someone who runs the 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 wiki slash how-to page for these events and things, was just like, I do not support what the developers are doing right now. And that's like, you know, that, that felt your biggest like a fan. big yeah. thing. It's like, yeah. So it'll be interesting to watch how that goes. But anyway, but I was really interested to see you get like drawn in by one of these things because I sort of wondered whether it was just going to be like my trashy pop culture TV habit and and you'd sort of you know dip in every now and again to see what I was doing but ultimately sail away unscathed back mm. into sort of sensible <laughs> documentaries and so forth. <laughs> Having been out of it for about three days now I don't think I'll play it again which is maybe the key like I think I broke I had my three four days of like lost weekend these games hang by a thread. I think mm. that's what they know. They know they need to get the sale out of you yeah. now because it's, because as soon as that mm. spell's broken, you're not going to come back. Shall we do some questions? Mm -hmm. I'd love and, to. And before we do some questions, can I say that, uh, cause I imagine this, we're about an hour and a half into this podcast. At the beginning of this podcast, we made quite a pointed mistake that led into a bit and therefore can't be edited out. 
which is that this isn't episode 340. Is it, episode, is it episode 360? No, it's episode oh. 240, which means <laughs> if we, if we lost any time, we lost quite a lot of time. Mm. And I can only imagine that somewhere out there, I mean, to be honest, this person has probably already written the tweet. <laughs> In the hour and a half it's taken for me to take a break, go upstairs, get the questions, uh, and discover our error. Uh, but I wanted to apologize both for the wasted tweet and also for the, uh, for the bit with no origin. Can you edit, confusion. Can also- you edit your, um, Discord outrage as well? Like if people have been, you know, saying, Oh, 340, it's 240 if I'm a day. Well, I, <laughs> they are a lot like that. Oh no, the volcano! Oh, um, Lord, <laughs> if I'm a day, <laughs> um, I get my hot youth chat from Lark Rise to Candleford. <laughs> I, so I was tr- uh, I desperate to try and make uh, Lark Rise to Candlekeep joke. Uh, in my <laughs> in my in my Baldur's Gate thing, it's the first uh, place you, it's the place you grow up in Baldur's Gate ah, one. Um, and I couldn't find a place for it. There's just one of those puns that just had to kind of like... Oh, come on. The whole thing no, it could have been in the it strap. It doesn't fit. It fits in the strap, but it doesn't work in the strap. I also, I also have to <laughs> include the name of the game, so you kill the pun. Mm. So it's maybe a caption. But then there's no pun there other than it's just, it just it just works. It's a bit, yeah. So it needs to have like a first part of the joke. Mm. Like if if it was... but So if, if for example, this one made a game that was Baldur's Gate... But you were all dogs, then you could have right. Bark Rise to Candlekeep, which would be perfect. Or if someone made a game that was Baldur's Gate, but a first person shooter where you killed bandits in the open world in outposts, then it would be Far Cries to Candlekeep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which would be amazing if that existed. My life is full of these. They're full of it's full of jokes that don't connect to a real thing yeah, that happened. So- just waiting, waiting. Yeah, to print nascent, nascent video game puns. <laughs> I think maybe, you know, because people maybe think that you're really quick with your jokes. It's more that you thought of them in 1997 in the and you've I've, been I, waiting. I've planned jokes for every causal pathway yeah. in time. That seems reasonable. <laughs> I think, um, no, I've forgotten. We're done. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's that I, I think I remember hearing that hipster is actually a really old word that comes from how people used to lie in opium dens, <laughs> which is something that came to mind as you described yourself on the sofa trying to change television channels with a gun, as I choose to believe he that on his story back, went down. Rather than yeah. on his side. Mm. That's true. Mm. But he said of- almost entirely on his back. Yeah, Almost but like, prone. yeah, I mean, in that sort of like slightly reclining kind of way, like ultimate recline. But having prone? to move his legs Supine. out of the way in a kind Supine. of mm. akimbo manner. Yeah. Mm. Like in Battlefield 5. Yes. Our first question comes from Frankie Nator, who writes, I've been playing Dark Souls with an item randomizer mod, as well as an enemy randomizer mod. It's funny, yet refreshing. What game, being sprayed with a hose, uh, what game would you want to play for the first time again? Anything I liked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe Subnautica. That would be amazing to play for the first time. Mm. I've yet to play it for the first time. You should play it for the first time again. Look at me and weep. I wish I was you right now. Oh. For the first time. Oh. <laughs> and as soon as you pick up that game, we'll be over. <laughs> 
<laughs> until you've got I don't know nachos or something I think I'd quite like to play Pillars of Eternity 1 for the first time <laughs> Definitely play the second one for the first time. No, I can't. It's a, it's a funny question because, like, the, I, it, it compels me to think. Oh, what are the, my what are my favourite games? You know, and then I sort of think, well, like one of my favourite games would be UFO Enemy Unknown. But I know that if I played that for the first time now, it wouldn't. It wouldn't yeah, work. exactly. I'd bounce right off it. And You'd I, have to pick like I don't know, Breath of the Wild or something. Mm. I suppose I want to play like the obvious answer for me is something obvious like Mass Effect or Dragon Age, but that's mostly like I'd like to be twenty again. Yeah, more than anything yeah. else. Um, like yeah, I don't know. Um, so in some ways, for me, it's like the, the other they're the kind of the high drama ones, the story games that I just can't really go back to because you know they don't have the impact they did. Be an obvious choice, Half Life, uh, Half Life Two, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing is <laughs> life too <laughs> the interesting thing is, is that yeah. the questioner seems to be coming from the point of view of having a game they're super familiar with and thus know what they like about it and are you know have presumably a certain level of expertise and want more. but there's a way mm. to remix it and make it feel fresh again mm, mm. so it would be like um I think this is what they tried to do with um, Ocarina of Time when they did the that edition that reversed it, like oh, the yeah. mirror. The master was edition. Was it the master edition? Like yeah, mm. when it uh, was on GameCube, I think. Mm. And so I assume that was with a similar kind of, they know that people play it again and again. And so... I played all the way up to the Deku Tree and thought, hmm, this is exactly how I remember it. I don't remember anything well, being backwards really about it early. at all. really early. That's because you're in the village and, like, the only thing that will be backwards is the maze. Yes. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing. Yes. Actually, although, no, that is sensible because it is just the same game, but it's slightly... Yeah, it's like, and my memory reversed. was such that... Yeah. You know, and presumably gonna... it's not going to suddenly be like, oh, well, if... You know, like, you know when you're fighting dark link or whatever it's not like he's going to move differently that circular arena is still circular yeah you're just going to be <laughs> it's not going to be like you move left and he moves right it's like what <laughs> that's that's weird not a single not... not a single decision is different in that game no any other thing but presumably but they still it was it fucking cool be. it was so cool <laughs> so that i got my twilight it came with was it twilight it no, or no, is it Wind Waker? It came with Wind Waker. It must have been Wind Waker. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get it because it's going to be great. And then I didn't play it because I wanted to play Wind Waker. <laughs> I spent a Which long time excellent. playing Wind Waker. Mm. Uh, and then I finally, oh, let's try it. And then, ooh, and then you're like, oh, well, mm. yeah. <laughs> it's the same experience. I was pleased. <laughs> But yeah, it wasn't. I, it wasn't I wanted fresh. to play it on my um, N64 controller. So I was just like, <laughs> amateurs. Um, <laughs> young people. <laughs> I was very jaded as a teenager <laughs> slash twenty year old. I don't know. We went back to Yoshi's Island. Talk going back on Nintendo. That's the final season of Lost, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my wife were playing, and I was sort of alter alternating on the on the controller, which is really nice way to play it, obviously. But um, it was enough in my memory that nothing it, it could be remixed you know it could be mm. that dark souls you know like the, the, the you know for remixing all the enemy positions it could be that but it was all so familiar 
from mm. when I played it way back, like I don't know, fifteen, twenty years ago, twenty years ago, probably. I think the but remixing, it didn't, yeah, it didn't didn't hit me. The remixing is kind of, I guess, what makes um, Spelunky, you know, daily challenge, or you know, mm. like even just it's the it uh, it's what roguelikes do. Yeah, right. Here's your pattern. Yeah, it's like you are now absolutely comfortable with this thing and presumably you love the mechanics of it or the the basic rhythms of it. But here's a new experience for you every single day. So, you know, and I get that with like puzzle games and stuff. It's why people enjoy the Daily Crossword or, you know, different magazines have like Sudoku or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with this question anymore. Whether I'm just riffing on the philosophy behind the... Zelda was your answer anyway, right? No, I just want to play Zelda again. Like, okay. I, I'm fine with not <laughs> not, not remembering. Hang on, wait. What? <laughs> what did I mean when I said that? <laughs> Alex writes... <laughs> Hey guys, we're right here, Alex. <laughs> there's actually there's two Alexes in this in this week's question arama, and one Alex in the bush. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex no, writes. Those are the bush because the one in the hand is no, worth the more. So that the two I know. have to be elsewhere. <laughs> I'm the hand. Alex is in hand. These okay. are the Alexes in the bush. <laughs> The wild Alexis. A wild Alex appears and writes, mm. Hey guys, last week you touched on a subject that is very dear to me. I work in game audio and the Overwatch team has done some fantastic work in the field using game logic to reinforce player awareness in some very clever ways. Instead of just muffling a sound when it's on the other side of a wall, they actually use the bot pathing system to see how far an enemy is from you. That way, if they're in the room above you, they won't be louder than someone who's just around a corner. Even if the person above you is technically closer and they are both behind walls, they aren't really a big threat. Pip was totally right to notice this. Hmm. Way to go, Pip. Way to go, Pip. Thanks. When you go from a game that exhibits this level of polish and focus to one that doesn't, it can feel overwhelming and messy, even if the mechanical gameplay is basically the same. And that's from Alex in California. Thanks, Alex. So it was a nice follow-up on like our discussion that. last week. I wonder if, because um, I know some of those things, like they're things that you know when you play the game through experience, but to codify them if you're not used to um, paying attention to audio, you sometimes need them spelled out to you. And there was a really interesting GDC talk about um, about that audio and sort of how they employ that um, pathing system and work out distances and try and figure out what you as the player need to know mm. more. Um, and also there's some interesting things. I think that might have been the same talk where they spoke about, um, how the, everyone's footsteps are different. Like they're, you know, you can tell mm. who someone is by how they're yeah, walking. Yeah, John is like a comp thump. Clanky yeah. thump. Yeah. 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 So that if if that has come out from behind the GDC paywall or was never under the GDC vault paywall, it is well worth watching slash listening mm. to because it is very interesting. Grand. Our next question comes from Ilya, who writes: If esports were circus acts, what circus act would each esport be? A little bit of footsie under the table there, Alex. Oh. Mm. We all went to the same place with yes. this I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Imagine a clown car full of child millionaires. <laughs> all honking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, 
it's Half-Life 2. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's basically like, there's a certain element of like just the endless parade sort of thing. I feel like I don't really know how I would differentiate between circus acts relative to esports. Well, you see, the hoops one. Yeah, so. There's the swingy one. The hoops one. What are you talking they're about? Hoops. They're on hoops. Yeah, the, the hoop swingy one. It's like a trapeze, but hoops. Right. Oh, I see. Yes. Mm. I see. Mm. Mm. This is a kind of hanging in place one. Basically, it's aerial acrobatics, right? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. Elephants. Elephants. Aerial you know, acrobatics a has a sort of. Nowadays, bad zoos. <laughs> bad zoos. There's that, uh, there's like a, maybe there's a street fighter element to the trapeze or the, the, the swingy hoops, that sort of sense of both flow and lethality and. Needing yeah, to but, catch the right combo at the right but time. But lethality isn't like that. That's not an aim of either of the trapeze duo. No, but there's a sense what of danger. The, is what, what I'm is saying. What is the dota of the circus? All of it. The circus <laughs> is the dota because you're both you're you're juggling knives, you're juggling flaming things, you're trying to tame a prick. You. <laughs> there's a million dickheads in a little car, and they're still coming out. Um, there's there's a lot of like uh trapeze like uh you know trying to swing from one roll to the next there's a tightrope act there is an announcer as well there's an announcer yeah, the man, yeah. you there's a big there's the fat a controller the fat or whatever controller. yeah the fat thomas the tank the engine he's there yeah. uh, the fat controller's there you're surrounded by people and you're naked and that's my dream <laughs> what what is the counter strike of Sirkai? uh it's it's when they divide the audience in two and try and get one half to shout yeah. louder than the others. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best counter-spirited? <laughs> uh, I was going to say it's like the knife-throwing stuff, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In terms yeah. of, yeah. Um, French, eh? Mm. Um, yeah, or like sword swallowing fate, isn't it like a garden uh, like that would be a coconut shy would be the counter strike it's even got the right initials yes Co- coconut shy <laughs> you know coconut shike and then there would be like guess the weight of the cake that coconut be, shike i don't know what would that be I'm guessing which way the enemy's gonna yeah which, uh, which, which bomb they're gonna that would form. be that would be <laughs> like uh any dota compendium yeah, yeah. That would be any guessing game in anything, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I used to I'm not sure there's much similarity between esports and circuses. I don't think there is, actually. Mm-hmm. I think they're both inherently ridiculous and potentially profitable, depending on which century it is. <laughs> but, I mean, I... Yes? <laughs> no. I think... I, I think... They're very similar. <laughs> they travel from town to town. They travel from town to town. They have music that is only present at those events and in no other context. And many kinds of EDM. Nico writes. <laughs> Sometimes fast travel is relieving future... What? Sorry, I can't read. <laughs> it's been 240 episodes and I have to finally say that. Is this beat poetry? No. They write... sometimes fast travel is a relieving feature that people applaud and others 
It's a crutch that disincentivizes players from engaging with the world. What other mechanics exhibit this kind of duality and what governs whether a feature or its absence is better for a game? That's a very good question. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things that fall into this category. They're often, um, in that case, specifically we're talking about sort of convenience features that actually have the potential to undermine a game if, if sort of relied on too heavily or if not factored in to the player's experience. I think when we were talking about this in the break, Pip, you pointed out rightly that saving... What did you say? What did you say? What did you just do as well? Nothing. I thought I'd crunched loudly. No. Brilliant. Thanks. Great. Fine. Carry on. Saving. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> saving. I thought, no, right. So, <laughs> most things have the capacity to do this if you implement them wrong. Like, and I'm not trying to shy away from an actual answer to the question by being vague in a sort of gesture well, you know, isn't this all what it's all about or whatever kind of mm. idiotic way. It's more just in the sense of anything that you add in to sort of change the player's relationship with a quantity, often if it's like economic in terms of resources or in terms of time, in terms of, you know, um, like saves or fast travel or whatever. If you do it wrong or if you make it so that the player is somehow incentivized to use it in a way that doesn't fit with the rest of the world, then that's going to be a problem. I mean, we talked about this with Bioshock, I think, because I was saying that um, I actually found that it was more efficient in terms of my health pack Mm. resources to let whatever it was kill me and then respawn and, you know, amble back to the fight and Mm. carry on fighting. And, you know, I appreciated those mechanics and and why they were there you know it's it's useful to have save functions it's a lot less frustrating to have bosses still be on the same amount of health that you manage to get them down to before you got killed and thus respawn and be able to finish off the fight rather than starting it anew or having to scout around for for ammo and things so like if they had rebalanced that element, they would have also had to rebalance a bunch of things relating to the ammo and relating to, you know, all that other stuff. But the way that it was then ended up meaning that there was an optimal way of playing that clearly wasn't good faith in terms of how the game itself was structured. And so I think that anything that that offers you a way of cutting down on you know, time or resources or any other element of Mm. the game that you would ordinarily have to engage with is a potential source of that kind of duality of, like, you fucked it or you didn't. It's interesting. I think it's purist, like, yeah, I agree. But, like, on top of that, there's a sort of layer of kind of player expectations and things. So, like, sort of, I think you can design a beautiful kind of fast travel system into a game but if it doesn't serve what players kind of like have decided they want from the game like they'll it'll get moaned about or a save system you know and save systems are so personal and so kind of um uh fixed to your Mm. particular situation like 
that time when you couldn't save when you needed to because like you got to go out and you need can't you can't switch off your computer you know you got to switch off your computer and like and you couldn't save that time and like suddenly the save system's shit because it wasn't didn't have the flexibility i needed in that particular situation and it might have been thematically beautifully tied into the game and every system in the game was kind of a reflection or kind mm. of or tied into that game so like that thing like the world outside the game tends to come in and fuck all good plans <laughs> i think also it can depend on what other games are also doing at the time because mm. convention I've, you mean yeah well yeah and um, so if there's a load of yeah so if there are a load of games in the same space as you or just if the the prevalent save system is that you quick save a lot then you know if you have a game where you can't do that that feels weird even if it even if it's perfectly appropriate mm. for the game that you have made or whatever if the player cannot hit f whatever and quick save they have to navigate a menu they're like oh well what wait what why can't mm. i you know like it's it's this sort of weird you have to deal with people's muscle memory as well at that point or like I actually um did I tell you guys I picked up Beyond Good and Evil the the original one oh, yeah. um a little while ago and started tinkering around with that and I was absolutely flummoxed by like how do I even save in this game and I had to look it up in the end and it's like you have to go to those little terminals and insert oh, yeah. a disc and then you Oh yeah it's save kind of elaborate kind of um, animation stuff isn't it And it was like what like and it had felt so not obvious and stuff and and that was interesting because and i'm mentioning it here because it's an example of the rest of the world has moved on and that is just not a way that we expect people to intuit how to save a game at this point Mm. and so it's that yeah like but and so that's not that game's fault but it does become a frustrating factor mm. as well and then there's sort of like the sort of cycles like the the, the fast travel example is really good for that sort of duality that the because it's like um you know my favorite experiences of playing assassin's creed origins you know recently has been just deciding to to walk go there like on the on the horse and getting into scrapes on the way you know that was mm. that was the best fun like when the game kind of opened up um and you know and it's like a major feature of how zelda works as well obviously you know the new breath of the world not actually that new anymore is it but anyway um but with save is the same issue where you kind of save scum and you feel guilty about yourself and you know you're kind of not sort of playing the game's challenges probably on the terms Mm. in which they were designed Mm. you know and like yeah it's it's difficult isn't it Mm. i think that's that's my conclusion that i was yeah going towards i think that's the thing is like you just you try and build in a system that works as well as it can i mean i know that's so vague but you know maybe you try and build in a few redundancies or a best fit kind of option but short of it knowing exactly what will give you the best experience over and above what you think you'll get as the best you know like it would require a game to know whether you will have a better time walking to a place riding a horse to a place or teleporting to a place like Mm. it and there are so many extraneous factors there and often i think 
it's that thing of people assume a lot of the time, especially people who are, you know, writing from the point of view of players, that they know what they'll enjoy at a given point in time. And often some of my favourite experiences have come because I've been confounded or surprised yeah. or delighted or, you know, and often that comes from me not knowing what was coming next and or not getting... being allowed to do what you wanted in yeah. the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's it, it, it must be so hard to walk that tightrope of, oh God, do I give you what you want? Do I try and give you something I think you'll want? Do I try and build in a few like redundancies so that you sort of meet me halfway <laughs> like what you know or or that that my way of doing things isn't too punishing for you like it's a really interesting mm. dialogue mm. yeah tricky one next question comes from ben who writes the forthcoming release of No Man's Sky has me pondering whether the terrain manipulator can be used in PvP and what a non-violent PvP game would look like. In a pacifist multiplayer playground, what would you do? Sculpture park, jungle gym, hide and seek, foot race, giant hole. <laughs> races. Go to the races. Yeah. Yeah, There's race buggies. Digital Bird Playground had some really lovely things that you could just, you know, it's a multiplayer game, um, uh, which... I think I played it at GDC at the Mild Rumpus Lounge. And so I just sort of grabbed the controller and some other people were there. And like, it, it's, it, you know, it's not exactly competitive, but you can make it so because it's just this landscape with things that you can start to engage with. It's got little bikes that you can ride around and it's got, you know, ring the little bell. And so you find yourself you know, making up arbitrary race distances or something and, you know, like challenging each other to like, oh, how fast can you get to that tree? Or I'm going to get there first or, you know, that kind of more playful thing. Or like there are little nets for like playing impromptu games of football or basketball net, you know, that kind of thing, Um which I thought was really lovely because it's non-violent, but it's just, a, you know, not just us, but it's like it, there's a spirit of competition that it allows you to... Hmm to embrace but obviously i'd build an aquarium mm. <laughs> i'm a big fan of i mean people malign them but i'm a big fan of little jumping challenges and things little jumping parks that kind of thing you love guild wars 2's jumping i like jump puzzles. guild wars 2's jumping puzzles i like destiny's little jumping challenges in the social areas i hated them i love them i think i good at me trying to get across that it like so good they're so good fucking what was it the fleet of death buses oh, in, oh man that in, in uh worst. Two. were you yeah there no that's that it, it, it taken king it was in the um oh, was it taken king uh yeah the the uh oryx raid that's right yep yep. yeah that's Couldn't it, do yeah. it. Yeah. That's so good so and good. i was a warlock i could jump really bloody high hunters have it easiest and i say this is a hunter the triple jump makes mm. it a lot easier but yeah, I just gently floof off the side of one of those awful little yeah, I really like platforms. Them. And you, you would always be at the edge going, you can do it. And I was like, you jerk. Sat there, cycling through all of my many emotes. Like passive aggressively encouraging me. It would just be me and the other hunters that had made it by that point. <laughs> <sighs> they had the good grace not to tell me I could do it because I clearly couldn't. <laughs> Just watching you floof into the abyss, refusing to trigger the checkpoint that would teleport you forwards. <laughs> no, no, it was like, because you, no, you guys would kindly not trigger the checkpoint. Oh, yeah. I'm like, no, 
please go ahead. Yeah. Good times. Leave me. Good times in a wonderful game. Uh, our final uh, question is actually a grudge. Oh. Comes from Alex. Lovely. Hi. Again, no, a different, a bush Alex. Angry about. Um, is this because uh, I wouldn't writes, share with the, all the Skittles? And he said you he really writes, wanted to be me and sometimes not always. Grudge for the grudge book. I find the idea of speedruns very interesting, but almost every speedrunner is bad at presenting them. They always say something that is, so they always say that something is easy without any indication of if they're being sarcastic and constantly call games broken. <laughs> so I don't know how universally true this is, but I quite like the idea. And if they exist, I'd like to be directed towards them of the speedrunner who's constantly looks like, because I, I definitely, I don't know if speedrunners are constantly like disregarding what they're doing is super easy, although I can totally imagine that. But there's certainly a sense of the kind of like practiced calm or the sort of deep understanding of the game at the level where they go from this is viable to this isn't viable and I need to start again. They're kind of like in an instant because they understand it so well. I'd like the, the really sweaty speedrunner who is who is really sweating every aspect of this Mario 64 run or whatever. Like, like, oh, shit, 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 shit. He's after me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I haven't fallen through the floor in the right way. Fuck. That's actually... I'd relate to that quite powerfully. There is a guy, I've forgotten his name. He did... Mario. He's Mario, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mario did, uh, played each of the Dark Souls games back-to-back without getting hit once. Did I talk about this before? Jeez, no. That's incredible. No, so this I guy, thought you were going to say something about Mario 64. Now it just sounds like I've picked the name Mario out of the air for no good reason. I'm just, no. You okay, did. fine. He was just a bit, yeah. No. Okay, fine. You but he is, he's properly, souls. because he's invested like nine, I think the whole run is nine hours long, which is pretty good. It's because he played good. three games yeah. without getting hit once, you know. Uh, How's yours and Tom Senior's Dark Souls run going? That's the... Uh, do you mean Tom Senior and Marsh's Dark Souls run? Because <laughs> did you see that buck? <laughs> For the fences. It's gone. <laughs> Sorry, Alex, you were saying. <laughs> he's sweaty, is what I'm saying. Good, good. And he's kind good. of like, you know, and he's, he, he, he'll sort of wind himself up for certain fights and kind of go right here we go and are there a few points where he's nearly nearly gets clipped Mm. so close and and then kind of like he's this is all product of many many public runs where he's failed Mm. and you know like hours in hours and hours and hours in don't understand don't understand why you would do it but anyway it's good though and he's a sweaty sweaty speedrunner Good, good for him, and good for us, and good for this. Is I it like good for you? The idea of um, these speedrunners as like the 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 Twitch equivalent of you know that um, that super popular meme about like drawing owls, and it's like it's got you know draw two circles and then draw and the rest of the owl, yeah, the rest <laughs> of the owl, like you know because I think that is a feeling that a lot of people have with any thing that someone else has mastered it's that sense of i mm. just can't understand how you got from step one Pip, to step all we're doing two. Is, is injecting arbitrary code by by hijacking a certain memory uh address and then using the inputs uh and a special particular way that mario interacts with yoshi in this particular circumstance <laughs> times to the third frame 
Save it for a feature, Alex. <laughs> um, Everyone knows that. But, like, because I remember I thought, maybe I could speed run a game that I like and know quite well. Is that well. what you sound like in your own mind? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't know where I'm from in my own mind. <laughs> where was I from? Candle Castle, or whatever it's called. Candleford, Candleford Lark Rise, and so forth. Um, so... Uh, Hang on, what do I sound like in my mind? Hello! (laughs) Hello! (laughs) But I thought, because I know Mario 64 quite well, maybe I could speedrun that. And I had, like, really high hopes. And then I watched someone do a speedrun, and essentially they didn't... I don't think they even collected any stars. They just ran a a staircase, but sort of backwards, and then bum-barged their way, glitching through a door, and were at the final thing. I'm like, oh... Well, there go my speedrunning hopes. <laughs> Did you ever get a, 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 a kind of like a, oh, maybe, a maybe? Not really, no, because I'm the opposite kind of player of games. I'm the gently tilted analog stick E3 demo man of shooter players. I just want to move my head at a realistic speed to take it all in. You no, do. you know what you do? You go do. cinematic. Hmm. No, no, because he can't speedrun things because he actually reads the law. Yeah, and I go back to the and first game. And then memorises it. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't speedrun Pillars of Eternity 2. I haven't played Pillars of Eternity 1 recently enough, and now I'm playing this clicker game. <laughs> and now I've got to work my way back through all of the games, like, to get to Pillars of Eternity 1 so that I could get to Pillars of Eternity Mm. Mm. You know, if 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 Baldur's Gate opened with you being rudely awakened by the dustman, that could be park lives to Candlekeep. Never mind. I was going to make a point, and I don't know what it was. It was probably about speed running. Oh yeah, I I think I could speed run hex cells, a logic <laughs> game about filling in boxes, and. Or hexes, if you will. Don't as just reminded do yourself a by favor. the beehive. Don't don't watch Hexel speed run. No, as you bum barge backwards through it yeah. <laughs> through maths. Look at where he bum barged that hex through yeah. the cells. But yeah, so I think that I could speed run that. No problem. Go on then. I w- I've done it. That was it. Oh wow, that was so fast. <laughs> I didn't even see. Exactly. Incredible. Gotta be. Gotta be. Quicker than that to catch me in the morning, Mr. Wormbird. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> if you'd like to send us a question or a grudge or a query or a email, you can do so by emailing us at questions at creightandcrowbar.com. You can also tweet us at creightandcrowbar. That's how that works. Uh, as ever, this episode is supported uh, very kindly by our Patreon backers. You can find out more about supporting the podcast and its spin-offs at patreon.com forward slash and all 340 and episodes and all 340 episodes yeah 100 episodes yet to come we just we just made up yeah 100 episodes indeed you. yeah mm. they, were, they were fantastic that's what i call value yeah a, a circus of value if you will <laughs> uh an endless parade of teen millionaires of value uh if you uh if you're interested uh me and my sister rebecca recorded a two-hour analysis of the movie Solo, a Star Wars story that went up on YouTube today. It won't go in your podcast feed because I don't want to thrust spoilers in people's face without noticing. But if you like the, the uh, analysis we recorded for The Last Jedi, you might like it. There you go. That is your Star Wars. Handy. A handy thing. <laughs> ah. Ah. That's exoloent. What? <laughs> I don't think that one quite landoed. <laughs> 
If you'd like to follow us as individuals, you can find me on Twitter, sort of. I don't look at it unless I, I get a compulsion to look at it, and then I feel sad afterwards. But I do have one. It's C. Thurston, the C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. The souring of social media is making this segment really yeah, difficult. It is. It's, it's a traditional ending, yeah. but like, I might... Please relation- drop me a message. I won't look at it. I know. Well, yeah. Alex has already said that he's like not hip to social media. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, maybe we haven't addressed this. Like, my relationship with social media has changed so much, and I really... Uh, fundamentally like regret every time I look at Twitter for any length of time now but I do post links to what I'm working on and things I've done and I will I do check my mentions every now and then I just don't like check it so often that you can expect a reply straight away that's the main thing yeah so don't slide into them unless you can get back out yeah indeed and like if you you know my email address is in my bio if people need something specific it's just you know Twitter itself is is uh is uh just a argument an ever-evolving argument like uh it's like the red spot on Jupiter, like a roiling storm that has... It's disappearing, though. And and so, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, your social media is of choice. I am at Philippa War on Instagram. <laughs> what a twist. Yeah. Alex? I'm rotational on Twitter. R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-L. I'm proud of you every time you get that right. What are you on Thank IRC? You. <laughs> yeah, I'm on IRC. <laughs> I used to, I almost managed to remember my IRC number then. Mm. I used to be able to be really good at remembering like those sorts of strings. You had them, I never, I was never on IRC. 9431640240, I think. But no, that, yeah, you're thinking, I was thinking about ACQ, aren't I? Yeah. Oh, nuts. Yeah. Nuts. That's the second number I've gotten IRC wrong this episode. It was more about the room that you were in, right? Like yeah. 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 So yeah. But you know, we can passively, passive aggressively sign in and out of MSN chat rooms. We can do, yeah, <laughs> with song lyrics. <laughs> and for what it's worth, my uh, IRC hangout was the uh, GameSpy Network's Planet Black and White channel. There Aww, you go. Weren't you a mod? I was. I was a. I was temporarily like a site mod for that. The whole thing. I was, I was, king. Yeah, I was briefly, this is a weird fact, I was briefly the site director for Planet Max Payne. That's, that aged 14 or 15. That's my weird video game Good Lord. fact. You were a child very briefly, millionaire. Very briefly. Whatever. No, I, but I did get a free File Planet subscription. <laughs> What's a File pl- Oh, I thought you meant like a file effects. I no. thought you meant you got a file effects. <laughs> yeah, that and was, was and, that, like- and a pension. No, um... <laughs> No, I got a free file planet subscription, which meant I could download all the BSPs you wanted. Just fucking BSPs, WADs, everything nice. you wanted as a... I got a file of facts when I was Wad about seven. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know what I thought I was going to do with it. Like my kid organize, business. Organise all your business. I know. I remember your when contacts, I was about 15, I wanted mom, a Rolodex, but they were really home expensive. Phone number, dad... <laughs> Home phone number. Oh, and car phone. (laughs) But like, did you have a car phone? So no, we didn't have a car phone, but my dad's friend had a car phone. So I added him to my file of (laughs) facts just because I wanted to be able to fill in the car phone of someone. (laughs) He also owned a car shop, so it felt fitting that he had a car phone. (laughs) Like it it felt like it was a showcase (laughs) of the, of the medium. 
Wow. Marvellous. I think we've and covered all of that's the social media. That's the outro. just covered everything. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll be back next week, won't we? We will. You tried right. to call me on my car phone. <laughs> Thanks. Hello, yeah, she, th- <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for oh, listening, nice everybody. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Late night when I'm not in my car. <laughs> <laughs>